Good afternoon. This is Dr. Dan Guerra coming to you from Authentic Biochemistry Studios in the Inland Pacific Northwest. Today is the 10th day of February 2021. Just yesterday, I did a video lecture where we were discussing the immune response, and particularly we we're talking about dyslipidemia and aging, contributing to morbidity and mortality in humans. Today, I'm doing an audio lecture on the effects of certain cell cycle inhibitors as they relate to potential tumorogenesis as it relates to the elderly and also to the immune response. So I'm doing this lecture because I have nothing better to do. And let's get started. So I left that video lecture yesterday talking about how aging in association with proteinopathies and then obesity which combined with aging induces an environment for inflammation, oxidative stress, growth factor loss, hormonal dysregulation, all of that leading to an age-related neurodegenerative complex, which ultimately comes as a presentation in the elderly as mood change, memory loss, and movement dysfunction. And we've gone through some of the central nervous system circuitry, neuronal circuitry and microglial circuitry on that, and so I wanted to bring us back to that notion of aging and obesity being linked um, pathophysiologically to some of the output associated with elderly uh, neuronal disorders, such as Alzheimer's disease and Parkinson's disease, prefrontal dementia, which then again translate to mood, mood alterations, excessive memory loss, and movement dysfunction as with Parkinson's. So what I want to do now is embellish on a discussion of how we understand senescence and how that links to cell cycle. Remember, a senescent cell no longer divides. So the lysosomal beta-D-galactosidase, also known as the SA beta-gal, is the transcripted translated polypeptide that's expressed from the GLB-1 gene. It's often been used as a marker for senescing cell lineages. So if you take a fibroblast from patients with an autosomal recessive ganglioside M1 gangliosidosis disorder, which simply means that a ganglioside, which is sphingolipid found in the central nervous system, is not appropriately turned over or degraded because it's missing a galactosidase, remember these are galactosphingolipids, that what you see is you get, when you look at what the uh, phenotype is biochemically, you have a defective lysosomal beta-galactosidase. Nevertheless, people's, uh, people who have this disorder and fibroblasts from those patients, those fibroblasts will pass into replicative senescence, which, which means they'll start acting like senescing cells. Now, remember, this is cell lineage. It's not an intact tissue. So you're not going to be talking about SASP or MIDAS. Remember, SASP is the secretory-associated uh, phenotype with senescence, and the MIDAS is the mitochondrial degradative-associated secretory phenotype, two important cellular phenotypes um, in the senescing uh, system. However... Normal fibroblasts expressing a small hairpin interfering RNA 
that specifically goes after the beta-galactosidase will deplete that GLB-1 transcript, but once again, you get senescence. Now, why is all this important? Well, SA beta-gal induction during senescence was with the specific expression of the lysosomal enzyme, beta-galactosidase protein, was considered to be associated with senescence, yet it is not causally linked to the intact murine model SASP or Midas phenotypes. Okay. So my conclusion is that the SA beta-gal is just a biomarker, not a necessary component of the senescent progression of intact mammalian aging. So that's important because you have biomarkers and then you have protein expression that may be linked to the senescent process. Not the case, probably here. Now, you have multiple cell types to consider when you think about neurodegeneration. You have oligodendrocytes, microglia, astrocytes, and of course, the endothelial parasites, which make up the blood-brain barrier. Now, if you have ionizing radiation or you have an increase in reactive oxygen, certain chemotherapeutics like platinum, or in the pathophysiological state, obesity and chronic stress, you can make uh, a transition to cellular senescence with those cell types by changes in the heterochromatin foci and DNA damage repair mechanisms, as well as a change in the SA beta-gal but also two important proteins, the P16-INC4A and the P21-CYP1-WAF1. Now, when those changes occur in cellular senescence that proceeds, you get an increased blood-brain barrier permeability. You get full-blown SASP phenotype in the astrocytes, and you also get SASP phenotype in the microglia. You, combined with that, you get an impaired myelination from the oligodendrocytes, and that then leads to neurofibrillary tangle deposition, A-beta protein oligomerization, linked to neuronal degeneration, brain shrinkage, and loss of cognitive function, which are all hallmarks for the presentation of neurodegeneration in the advanced elderly. So, Cellular senescence can be induced by several stimuli in the brain cells, and the senescence of the microglia and astrocytes is what really results in the inflammatory response, and you also lose the trophic support to the neurons. That is, you lose the ability for new, increasing nutrition. We talked about the microglia actually are factories for producing fatty acids for neurons and also uh, for gluconeogenesis. When you have oligodendrocytes in essence, of course, you reduce, you reduce the amount of myelin sheath, and that, of course, is going to affect uh, neurotransmission. And as I said, the blood-brain barrier can be compromised because the endothelial cells start to senesce. All of those changes have a tremendous impact on the integrity and, and viability of neurons, and then that's what is believed to result in a deficiency in brain function. Okay, so let's shift now to the Journal of Cardiology. Uh, this is a paper published in 2019, about uh, oh, a year and three months ago. What does this paper tell us? 
Senescence dictates cell division exhaustion, and we call that cellular senescence. And it's phenotypically present as, uh, presented as flattened and large and irreversibly unable to reach a next cell division. These are the phenotypes of a senescent cell, right? Okay. Now, what proteins are involved? P53, P21, P16, Inc4A, P38 MAP kinase, and the gamma H2X. You also get telomere attrition, enhanced signals such as the SA beta gal, all of which might be biomarkers for the senescent cells or could be contributory. All right. Of course, the SASP characterized senescent cells secrete pro-inflammatory cytokines, and it's this pathophysiology and aging dependent uh, and correlated to sometimes morbidity and linked to, uh, from this paper, heart failure and atherosclerosis. So SASP is a chronic, sterile, inflammatory, associative tissue remodeling phenomena. And it occurs indeed, yes, in the cardiovascular system. Now, to compensate for that, there's been a discussion of a technology and technique that mimics what can occur in vivo, and it's called senolysis. So senolysis is an incompletely characterized, specific elimination of senescent cells. You can get cytogenic or pharma pharmacological models generated in the murine system um, for senolysis. And these models have been touted uh, to actually induce reverse aging phenotypes with an adaptive departure from pathology is typically obtained from what's normally an aging-related morbidity, right? such as in the cardiac system. So senolysis research promotes a theory of reduced cardiovascular disease coupled with no increased risk of tumorigenesis. That last part's really important, no increased risk of tumorigenesis. The other spectrum of cell fate, right? Degeneration or tumorigenesis. Therefore, physiological, nutritional, and even pharmacological therapies prompting and promoting senolysis could promote a healthy cardiovascular aging. And this is in the literature. This came from a paper published, I said, just a little over a year ago. So it's prominent. Now, there are mice that are generated to enable researchers to look at the inducible elimination of one of those proteins linked to senescence. And it is the one major topic for today. It's the P16 Inc4A. So you can generate an inducible eliminable P16 Inc4A mouse and you can do that by, by using a compound called AP20187. So in a premature aging mouse model, the elimination of that P16 Inc4A positive senescent cell actually leads to the inhibition of aging phenotype in white adipose tissue, WAT, that is, in the heart, and in the kidney, all of which we were talking about just last time in the video lecture. So the elimination of P16-4A, this protein, um, in a MURI model did not appear to change heart rate, the left ventricular or LV mass, 
thickness and diameter, ejection fraction, and fractional shortening compared to controls. These are all um, readout of positive heart activity. So none of those seem to be affected by eliminating that protein, P16E4A. In fact, left ventricular mass is used to evaluate the risk and prognosis of patients with heart diseases and their heart failure. So it's used as a diagnosis for significant risk uh, for patients' life and health. For, so for example, women, the normal range in grams per meter squared of the left ventricular mass is between about 43 and 95, whereas severely enlarged or abnormal left ventricular mass hits greater than 122 gram meters squared. Men, it's a little bit different. The normal range is higher between about 49 and 115. And then the severely enlarged for men is usually over 149, 150. Okay, so this is, again, one of the readouts for abnormal cardiac left ventricular mass enlargement, right? Now, the accumulation of the P16-4A positive cells is associated with pathogenic cardiac aging, including an increase in LV mass. So a transgenic mouse that kills P16-4A positive cells by using canciclovir, so it's a negative selection because of the expression of a herpes simplex virus thymidine kinase gene, which will kill the cells, um, kill the specific cells that harbor that uh, system linked to the introduction of ganciclovir, which becomes phosphorylated by the thymidine kinase gene when it's expressed. And so remember, this is a way to kill cells, ablate cells, using this induction with ganciclovir. That leads to a regression of atherosclerotic uh, plaques in an LDL receptor deficient line. And so that the reason it's an LDL deficient line is to get rid of any potential staggering effects of oxysterols. So this, this uh, data might suggest there's an association with cholesterol oxidation or triacylglycerol accumulation. And that is certainly well described in the literature, right? Now, more about this. The paper published just last year in BMC Cancer, clinical manifestations associated with immunosenescence in the elderly, of course, included decreased ability to control infections. If you have immunosenescence, you're going to not be able to control the infection because your immune system is compromised. So also in the elderly, you get poor response to vaccination. It's an important thing to think about. And an increment in the risk of developing cancer. Okay, those all are collinear. Several immunological alterations are described with aging, and they include, of course, changes in T and B lymphocyte subpopulations. Remember, you get an increase in uh, senescent T and B cells, and you get an increase also in T memory cells with a lack of T naive cells, right? You also get lower amounts of NK or natural killer cells. Now, the B lymphocyte compartment also shows a decrease in naive B cells with a reciprocal increase, once again, in memory B cells in aging. Aging is also characterized by decrease in circulating antibody levels from any potential induction of IgG, IgM in the past because of exposure to antigens. At the functional level, NK cells exhibit decreased cytotoxicity, and the natural killer T lymphocytes also have reduced migratory capacity in the elderly. 
This is our review from my rather uh, lengthy discussion of how the immune system becomes compromised with aging and how the compromised immune system accelerates aging, right? So back to P16, Inc. 4A. Now that's a cell cycle regulating protein. I'm going to talk a lot more about it soon. And it's basically an inhibitor of cyclin-dependent kinases 4 and 6. Therefore, it plays a role, rather significant role, in cellular aging and premature senescence, and it's been recognized as an aging biomarker. So it's going to inhibit cyclin-dependent kinases. It's going to inhibit cell cycle, hence senescent mode, you see? So P16 Inc. 4A expression in peripheral blood T lymphocytes has been ascribed to sharply increase with chronological age. And it, therefore, it appears to contribute to age-induced functional decline um, in self-renewing uh, T-cell loci compartmentalized naive T-cell populations. Therefore, you get the phenotype I just told you called immunosenescence, right? Now, let's think about oncogenesis here. Oncogenesis eventuates a genetic mutation to epigenetic gene expression mechanisms. And you, with that, coincident, is our molecular signatures either inappropriately proscribed, incorrectly prescribed upon writing as dangerous and deleterious, or even erasure of the epigenetic signature, which leaves a corrupted chromatin result, right? So tumor cells obtain proliferative autonomy, uh, autophagous self-maintenance and growth and signaling. And you also get neovascularization for nutrient and O2 supply. And you get a, a resistance typically to antiproliferative and apoptotic stimuli. Now in resting cells, the cell cycle is strictly managed by a set of regulatory proteins. It's going to get back into the 16 P16 Inc. now discussion. Cell cycle strictly controlled by a set of regulatory proteins that control um, various cell cycle checkpoints. And that will become dysfunctional during the early transforming stages of tumorigenesis via the unregulated dismantling of tumor suppressor genes. Remember, this is a spectrum. On one end of the pole, you got tumorigenesis. On the other end of the pole, you've got degeneration. Both converge in aging, particularly associated with the immune response, with the overwhelming effect of obesity encouraging this process. So suppression, just so you remember what these words mean, terms are very important in biochemistry, like they are in philosophy. Suppression is the programmed deliberative inhibition of biochemical events. That's my definition. Programmed deliberative in inhibition of biochemical events. While repression is the unintentional inhibition of a biochemical event. Keep those two words in mind. So when a biochemical event is derepressed, it's brought back to register regardless of the valence. In other words, regardless if it's turning something on or turning something off, right? So in fact, this dismantling I'm talking about is a repression of tumor suppressor gene transcription 
and or translation, post-translational modifications, or indeed final agency. So this loss of gene suppressor, I'll call activity, can result from deletion, inactivating mutations, the epigenetic silencing I was getting into, uh, indeed also incoherent post-translational modifications, including what? Well, including glycosylation, acylation, prenylation, phosphorylation, indeed aggregation of the polypeptides, et cetera, et cetera, or lipid-mediated transport aberrations that we discussed previously, as with membrane lipid rafts from sphingomyelinase-mediated ceramide synthesis. These can all result in the loss of gene suppressor, act suppressor activity. So the typical biomedical result from that is oncogenesis, which is actually transformative, and ultimately tumorigenesis, which I call committed to cancer, followed by metastasis, which is mobilized and transactional, and then ultimately either death or repair to the healthy state. Right? That's the progression model. So the progression of the mammalian cell cycle from G1 to mitosis, you know, division, is regulated by these proteins called cyclins with their cogent catalytic subunits, and those are referred to as CDKs, cyclin-dependent kinases. This should be reviewed for some of you. Now, a family of cyclin CDK inhibitor proteins, also known as CDIs, which bind and inactivate the CDKs, include P16 Inc4A. And there's a couple other ones too, P21 and P27. Those are CYP1, KIP1, respectively. And you also get other associated proteins, and some of these are splice variants uh, or exon shuffling variants. P15 Inc4B is one uh, and you keep in mind. Now, all these proteins potentially act as tumor suppressors, and their inactivation will correspond with human carcinogenesis, right? So you understand the valency and the agency here. Now, an authentic card-carrying tumor suppressor protein that is corrupted in cancer is P16 Inc4A protein, which is actually encoded by the cyclin-dependent kinase inhibitor 2A gene, or it's also known as a multiple tumor suppressor or MITS1 gene, depending on what papers you look at in terms of the chronology of their publication. Anyways, the CDKN2A gene is located within the frequently deleted chromosome, region 9 of P21. That gene, which is about 8.5 kilobases full length, contains two introns and three exons, and they encode the P16 Inc4A protein. Now, the P16 Inc4A protein is, a pro is one consisting of about 156 amino acids with a molecular mass of 16 kilodollars. That's why it's called P16. And of course, it's the negative regulator of a cell cycle, right? In addition, that's why it's linked to senescence, right? Because it inhibits the cell cycle. Now, and you can also understand if you get a mutation in it and you have cell cycle, that can lead to the oncogenesis, which is totally just transformative, and the tumorigenesis, which is the committed, et cetera, et cetera, we just went through. Now, in addition to P16 Inc4A, CDK 
N2A, that gene encodes a completely unrelated tumor suppressor protein, which is known as, I love that with geneticists always make up these really um, colorful names, but this one's called alternate open reading frame or ARF or P19 ARF in mice. And that interacts with P53 regulatory protein. I'm sure you've all heard of that. And the mouse double minute two homolog known as MDM2. All right. Now, the genomic rearrangement is complicated by the presence of an additional exon, which is called 1-beta, and it's transcribed from its own promoter, of course. The resulting transcript, the messenger RNA, incorporates exon 2 and 3, but specifies a distinct protein because the exons, of course, are translated by an alternative reading frame, very common in these gene rearrangements. Thus, while exons 2 and 3 are shared by the two messenger RNAs, they encode different protein products, and they are P16, Inc. 4A, and ARF. The specific binding of the P16, Inc. 4A protein to CDK4, remember that's the cyclin kinase, or CDK6, remember I told you kinase is 4 and 6, beginning of the talk, will induce an allosteric conformational change in those proteins and inhibit the formation of the complex between CDK4 and 6, and indeed cyclin D. So the lack of the complex formation maintains the retinoblastoma protein, the RB protein, in its hypophosphorylated state and growth suppressive states, which of course leads to the induction of G1 phase cell cycle arrest through the formation of the RBE2F's repressive complex. Remember the definitions of repression and suppression now, please. Thank you. Therefore, the loss of P16 Inc. 4A, right, which is what we've been talking about, is found with advancing stages of nefarious neoplasms. And that suggests that P16 Inc. 4A inactivation can contribute to cancer progression, especially in the elderly, where all of the stop gaps and regulatory mechanisms are lost because of loss of cell cycle control and leading to this senescent phenotype, right? or the inhibition of senescent phenotype. So the frequent inactivation of P16 Inc. 4A induced by a homozygous deletion, which I mentioned to you a few minutes ago, or by promoter hypermethylation, which of course is an epigenetic phenomena, and indeed point mutations, you see all of those occurring in various cancers, right? So, the, so that's why I say nefariously, right? So P16 Inc. 4A is considered an essential inhibitor to prevent or disrupt tumor growth. Now, I just told you that the cardiologists are saying, well, gee, if we can knock out cells expressing P16 Inc. 4A, you can actually get a, a lower vo volume, uh, remember that, that LV volume, and that then is going to give you a better structured heart leading into old age. So they're talking about inhibiting P16 Inc. 4A to decrease the senescent phenotype, but I'm telling you there's a whole um, florid literature telling you that P16 Inc. 4A, if you lose that, then you get uncontrolled oncogenesis. So obviously something has to give here. So once again, you've got the CDK and 2A gene. It's got these multiple exons. If you make uh, the CDK uh, KN2A with the E1, the E2, and E3, 
that's going to react with cyclin D. Cyclin D, along with cyclin uh, D kinases four and six, normally then will phosphorylate the PRB protein, and that will take it out of the cell cycle. So that's the way this protein works. ARF works very similarly, okay, but from different, from a different positional uh, rearrangement, as I've just been telling you, but also from slightly different controlling mechanisms. But either one of those are necessary to prevent cell cycle, particularly from mutated cells, which would go into a late cell cycle when they should be senescing, all of which would then prevent oncogenesis, but allow for the natural progression towards a SASP phenotype or maybe a Midas phenotype. So I'm going to leave you with that right now because I'm, I want to wrap this up with another uh, audio lecture and progress into how altering that P16 um, protein can lead, yes, to a decrease in senescing phenotype in cardiac muscle, maybe skeletal muscle as well, and then therefore increase uh, uh, um, a positive health life cycle into old age. But at the same time, unless you're very specific about only those tissues, and even then you don't know that you're not going to induce neoplasia, um, you're going to corrupt the entire normal system of controlling oncogenesis. So it's probably not in the end, even that 2019 paper saying it is a good target to control aging, certainly not a reversal of aging. Anyways, this is Dr. Dan Guerra from Authentic Biochemistry saying, um, hope you enjoyed the lecture. We'll finish it soon, another audio version. And then we'll get back to the lipid profiling and that'll be a video lecture. So Dan Guerra from Authentic Biochemistry saying, of course, bye for now.